Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're recording. Hey. Before we hit record, before we hit record. It's too late, my man. It's too late. We can't go back now. Everything you say is going to put on wax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to put out every word you say from here on out. All right, welcome back into a special edition of the Just Press Play podcast. We have invited two guests to join us. Pops is not here today, but we we invited Trey Reed and Nick Reed, two brothers who are the, uh, not exact same age, but we all grew up together. Nick's my age, Trey's LJ's age. We kind of wanted to just uh, shoot the crap, talk a little bit, and kind of all of our perspectives on where we are in America and the the different perspectives that each of us have. But first, before we get into all that, I want to ask Trey and Nick a question because I don't think they've... uh, ever had the opportunity to answer one of these and me and LJ and Pops, you know, we do it all the time, but here's the question. Genetic engineers at John Hopkins university have developed a so-called super gorilla. Though the animal cannot speak, it has a sign language lexicon of over 12,000 words and an IQ of almost 85 and most notably a vague sense of self-awareness. Oddly, the creature who does weigh 700 pounds becomes fascinated by football the gorilla aspires to play the game at its highest level and quickly develops the rudimentary skills of a defensive end. ESPN analyst Tom Jackson speculates that this gorilla would be borderline unblockable and would likely average six sacks a game, although Jackson does consider the beast might be susceptible to counters and misdirection plays. Meanwhile, the gorilla has made it clear he would never intentionally injure any opponent. Any opponent. You are the commissioner of the NFL, would you allow this gorilla to sign with the Oakland Raiders, Trey? Hell no! <laughs> like that's that's stupid. When you think about a a gorilla, a gorilla has the strength of what two hundred men. Yeah. So, yeah, the gorilla has sign language that it will not harm anyone. But shit, he might not intentionally try. And when you got seven hundred pounds landing on top of you, as a running back, I've had you know defensive ends that pushing 300 land that shit hurts you had 400 pounds that that ain't no joke (laughs) you're damn right i i want to say i agree with you unless it was the broncos and then all bets are off i'm letting him play you know what i mean (laughs) well i mean hey if if, if he goes play for the cowboys hell let him play i'm not in the nfl so i don't give a shit (laughs) (laughs) all right nick what do you think would you allow this monster in the nfl well, when you first started talking about it, I thought you were describing me back in my Shit. playing days. Anyway, so I, I say, well, I say, well, I play. Thought, you know, I had the over under at five minutes before I hear some bullshit from one of you, and we, we got the under. <laughs> hey, they didn't let me in the NFL, so they shouldn't let the degree in there either. They were scared you're gonna hurt somebody, right? 
<laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. But no, I think I think I would let him play, man. I mean, he he doesn't show any signs that he's going to hurt anybody. And you can't block him. You just can't block him. Oakland needs all the help they can get. <laughs> hey, it's just like when they say they they get mad at people for running up the score. If you got if you're mad, stop them. If you're mad at this gorilla, yeah. block him. Now I don't and know. He's, he's a Gruden thing, grinder, but... you know. He's a Gruden grinder. <laughs> hey, the Eagles Eagles resigned Jason Peters. He'll block him. Now, here's the kicker. What if they created an entire group, like, you know, teams of these gorillas? Now the NFL, now players are, or human players are now obsolete. Yeah, we got two different leagues. Well, I, we got the, the gorilla yeah, league say, and I'd the watch, human league because yeah. there's no way. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be down to watch that. Oh, I'd be down to watch that. I, I, I'd, I'd watch that too. I'd watch it all day. Oh, man, that'd be great. All right, so we all know <laughs> – there's all kinds of shit. Just sent. I guess it's about a month now since uh, George Floyd died at the hands of police. And ever since then, we've seen a movement spark in America. We've seen a lot of things going on. And we, we talked a little football. So first, before we get into a lot of things, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, because both of y'all have been in the locker room. Uh, Drew Brees made the comments not too long ago about, you know, he was taking a stance on the on the flag and. And he, he since back he backtracked all the stuff. He was like talking about Colin Kaepernick and all this stuff. And he backtracked it. And a lot of his teammates kind of came out on him. And so I kind of want to ask you, Nick, is that something that is that do they talk about it and it's all good? Or is that something that's always going to be a rift in that Saints locker room? Just we're our sports thing. So I kind of wanted to get a little sports to break the ice. Well, there will obviously Drew Brees has friends in the locker room, not just coworkers or not just teammates. So the people who are his real friends in that locker room, I think he'll be able to sit them down and have that conversation and maybe move past it. But as far as just some of his guys that are just coworkers and teammates and the other guys around the league, uh, it's going to be hard for him to, to, to bury that hatchet with those guys. Um, I just think his comments were very, very insensitive uh, to his friends because, I mean, obviously he's in the NFL. He has African-American black friends. I think it was very insensitive. Yeah. And uh, there's a time and a place for everything, and he just picked the wrong time to make that statement. Trey, what do you think? Uh, I think there's always going to be a rift because um, someone like myself, once I know where someone stands on a, uh, a particular subject, then I kind of distance myself from them. So I can see some of the players saying, yeah, I know you came back and you attracted a lot of stuff you said, but now I know how you really feel. So yeah. I think this is going to cause a rift in the locker room. Well, I wanted to ask – uh, your perspective because I, it was funny I was having this conversation with someone else and they were like you know I don't think Drew Brees is a racist he's a good dude I don't maybe you don't agree with what he said but why is it to to your uh what, what what do you think Trey why is it that it's I don't think it's necessarily that maybe Mike Thomas thinks he's racist but it's I think it's the black players and the black black people in general are just like you're not I think what is most bothersome and I, I'm a white guy saying this but what's probably the most annoying to a black person is to hear he, he still wasn't even listening. When you hear a white person be like, oh, they're kneeing and disrespecting the military. That's so annoying. Like, that means you didn't listen to the conversation the whole time because Kaepernick's tried to say for years that it has yeah. nothing to do with the military. Is that to you what kind of is so annoying about this, Trey? Yeah, they're not listening. I mean, uh, I had a short stint in the military. And whenever I come across guys that are in the military, we kind of have something to talk about. And I bring this up all the time. And a lot of them says, you know what? We go to war and we die or willing to die for the flag. So people like Colin Kaepernick can do, you know, the protests that he was doing. So they don't see it as a sign of disrespect. But what bugs me the most is when people like Drew Brees say, 
well, they're kneeling and disrespecting the flag when they just heard a, you know, a vet say, we don't take offense to that. But it's like yeah. they say, fuck that. We don't, we don't care what you're saying. They're still disrespecting the flag. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think yeah, you said it right. They're not listening. They, they refuse to listen. Yeah, I feel like I feel like uh, there's a lot of people that use vets as like pawns. Like they don't care what a vet actually thinks. They just they just speak for them. And 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 I'm doing it right now in a sense. You know, it's it's so easy to just say, well, that seems like I would feel disrespected if that happened to, to something I fought for. And and instead of listening to what people are actually saying, and that's I don't know, man, that feels like a crime against humanity to to use the people that have bled for your country as a token fight your cause well it is this is i feel our country we only use the vets when it's convenient for us yeah Yeah. you know um you know people know every once in a while in the nfl they'll do the camo uniforms right they'll bring a couple of vets out they're honor them but then people leave that game and they'll see a guy on the side of the road with a you know vietnam vet hat and they'll ignore them. There's yeah. way too many homeless vets in this country for people to say yeah. we we care about the vets, we care about our our uh, soldiers. So That's facts. They can miss me with all that. I, I know it's just, it's just like you. It's a pawn. Yeah, people use them as a pawn. Okay, Nick. So I got a question for you. And this was something me and LJ. I think we talked about it in the last pod, but maybe we just talked about it off the air. But you see a lot of the players after Drew Brees kind of seemed to backtrack his statements, and then after a couple of days, he came out and even like tweeted at the president saying like, look, or I think it was an Instagram post, but he was like, look, you're, you're not listening. And the protest has nothing to do with the flag. And I think that kind of gained him some points. But so my question for you, Nick, is I know there's always going to be a little bit of a rift because at some point that is still in Breeze's head, I think, but it's not like just a total cancellation. Like you're as, as a black man, you would be willing to listen. And if you can educate me, I know you get tired of having to educate the white person that doesn't care to be educated, but can't you not cancel him and still be friends? Like once you go, okay, open his mind up, and then if you see, if you see he's he's open to the fact, can y'all can y'all reconcile that friendship, that teammate, or is it like Trey said, is there always that rift? Well, it'll always be some type of rift. Um, they, if he, his friends that he did have or that he still has, they may still be friends, but it'll never be the same relationship. Uh, like Trey said, once you know where someone stands, there's there's really no coming back from that. And and I'll reinstate what I said earlier. He can sit down and have that conversation with those guys, but the public apologies and all those things that came out, they they really did nothing for him. Uh, at least in my eyes, I don't think it would do anything for him uh, to release those statements. Once once he put that initial statement out, um, everyone knew where he stood on it. Coming back and saying it, now you're just saving your ass at this point. Uh, so to me, I think there will always be some type of rift. Uh, some of the guys, I mean, I feel like this year, we may see Drew Brees get sacked, you know, 30 times. <laughs> yeah that's well what i think is interesting to me is it's going to be a, a practice what you preach it I, what drew Brees said now is right you know that I, okay if, if that's really how you feel if you've turned a corner great that's awesome are you just saying that because it's the pr move or six months what are you going to be saying and, and, and we know what he said we don't know what he says behind closed doors but mike thomas alvin kamara all of them they'll know who he really is six months from now a year from now and if he's still yeah fighting the good fight and it seems like he's has changed ways and really opened his mind, then maybe we can create that friendship again. But I think, like you said, it, I know it sounds good now, but let's see if it, or when it, when six months down the road, if this isn't as big a deal, do you still talk that same talk? Is that kind of how it, you think, Nick? It, 
Exactly. You said it right. Uh, the PR move. Now, no matter what, since that statement's yeah. come out, no matter what Drew Brees does at this point, there's going to be a group of people saying that's just his PR move. If he comes out the first game of the year and kneels during the anthem, it still yeah. will do him no good. Well, shit, we exactly the PR move. Let's look at that. I feel like, and who knows for sure, but we know Roger Goodell didn't want, I, I don't care what they say, they didn't want Colin Kaepernick in the league, and now all of a sudden – he wants a team to sign Colin Kaepernick. That's just, to me, that's just the yeah. PR move. Unless a year from yeah. now, two years from now, they're still practicing what they preach, like I've been saying. But I think a lot of things you're hearing, and I would think as a, if you're a black person, you'd be skeptical. Shit, I'm skeptical. Everything I hear, like, okay, yeah. that sounds good. But let's see if you keep going. Don't just say it now when it sounds good. This is the reason, this is how I know well, that the NFL is strictly rolling on PR right now because. When the players came out with their video uh, speaking out on the injustice, all the players that had the cut-up video, I don't know if you guys saw yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you listen to Roger Goodell, he yeah. literally says the exact same thing yeah. that the players were saying yep. in his opening statement. It's like the players said, this is what I want word you to say, word. and Goodell was like, that's what I'll say. I'm not going to – Exactly. I have no opinion. I'm a, I'm a robot. I'll say what you want me to. Exactly. Yeah. You're right. You're right. All right, well, something I was interested in bringing up with you guys, particularly you two, just because, one, I know we grew up all, I mean, shit, we grew up right down the road from each other, not far away. But I think what a lot of people, what a lot of people, especially white people are learning is there's a huge difference in how we grow up and how, how, we, how we react to certain things. Like there was this video that just went around, that went around the internet and it was someone with, I think it was like a ring doorbell or security video at someone's house, but it was a, black, a young black kid playing basketball. And a cop car rolls by and he hides behind his car. He wouldn't do nothing wrong, but he hides behind his car because I think, and y'all correct me here if I'm wrong, but as a, as a young black kid, you're taught different things about how to handle, how to deal with police where me and LJ, I mean, at least speaking for me, I never, I just got told, you know, do what they say. I never got told like specific rules on how to, I don't get nervous when a cop pulls me over. Like besides the fact that I'm thinking about shit, I don't want to pay a ticket, but it's just yeah. different for you guys. Right. I mean, tell me, Trey growing up, you, did you learn, did you get taught, you know, something about, you know, how to handle police and have to actually learn that at a young age, whereas me and LJ didn't? Yeah, growing up, my mom just always preached to us, like, uh, just make it home. Like, regardless of what the cops say or what they do, just basically comply to everything and complain when you get home. A good example was um, back when I was in high school, me and my friend TJ were leaving theater practice and we were uh, heading over to get some chicken one night and uh, we always tell the stories we call it the great chicken run but that night me and TJ were pulled over and uh, the cops basically harassed us asking us if we had any drugs in the car uh, where we were going and after about 10 or 15 minutes we were surrounded by uh, about three or four cop cars um, they ended up pulling us out the car asking us on where we were going uh, they continued to ask us if we had drugs in the car if we did tell them they let us go and, you know, we just, we kept on saying, no, no, sir, no drugs. Uh, once they let us go, we got back in the car and realized they had poured out, you know, uh, a bag of sugar that TJ had in the back seat, along with some other stuff we had from a Super One. And um, we just complied. And once we got back to uh, my house, you know, we then, you know, complained about the cops, uh, told, told my mom and, you know, went on about it. But the the whole thing was just, you know, do what they say, comply. And don't survive the encounter. And you know, that was you know, basically that. So, yeah, growing up, 
My mom always preached just uh, just make it home. Like nobody has ever done something like that to me. Like that's absurd. I cannot believe that you get treated like that when I when you get pulled over. And the only thing that happens when I get pulled over is they. I mean, they smell the car for weed because I look like a pothead. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, that's that's the only problem that I deal with. You know what I mean? Like that's that's two different worlds in the same city. Well, and that's what I'm hoping people can maybe hear. Maybe it's one person. I'm not saying whoever hears this, you need to go out and march something. I just want you to know, like, because it opened my, it opens, I think I've seen it at a younger age, but still, I think people are learning that there's a difference. Like y'all, like Trey just said, Nick, you get told just get home. I never got told just get home. I've never even been worried that I'm just going to get home. I'm more worried about, yeah. damn, I should have been speeded. I mean, that that's that's wild that. I don't think people realize, especially white privilege isn't necessarily saying that, you know, I used my skin color to get at a higher position, but I think it's just acknowledging and this, that's what this time is at least doing. I think partly it's acknowledging that, you know what, I benefited from being white, whether I knew it or not, I benefited from being white. Do you, I mean, just what, what's some thoughts off what we're talking about right here, Nick? Yeah, I agree Uh, on the white privilege thing. A lot of people get it twisted when uh, we start throwing around those words, they think, Oh, I don't have any white privilege. You know, I've never used my skin to get somewhere like you were saying. But just like we're talking about right now with just a, a, a regular police stop, a regular traffic stop. Yeah. If you're a white person, that traffic stop will end in worst worst case scenario, a ticket. You got to go to court, pay your fine, whatever. Um, but for me, if, I, if I'm speeding or even if I'm not speeding and I get pulled over, um, it could easily end in my death. And, that, and that's just where the privilege comes. And a lot of people don't see that. But uh it was crazy because Trey telling that about how our mom used to tell us just get home. Back then, it didn't even register to me that me getting stopped by the police walking down the street because I walked everywhere. Y'all remember that in the neighborhood I used to walk around oh, yeah. everywhere. It never even crossed my mind that a police could pull up to me and that would be the end of it. Uh, but today, in 2020, like you said, there's a kid hiding behind a car when he sees a cop car. If I'm a young, if I'm 16 right now, I don't know if I'm leaving the house besides school, work, or home. Well, I think you're seeing, you're seeing that it, because before it wasn't, it wasn't so visible on TV. I think stuff's been going on for a long time. We're just getting it recorded now. It's just getting on, on film. Uh, I agree. I I agree with that statement. I agree with that statement to a point. Yeah. More things are being recorded now, but right now the racism is, is worse Everything besides, I mean, Jim Crow laws are actually putting us back in shackles. Racism right now all across the board is at an all-time high. Yeah, I mean, I I, I want to uh, agree that at the very least, racists are bolder now. You know what I mean? It's not like um, I, back in our day, uh, one of the like worst things about this for me, and this is, I mean, this is white privilege as shit, but like is finding out how many like people that I know have been racist this whole time. And like, I'm only just now finding out about it. You know, it's like, it's ridiculous how many people are emboldened to just say stupid things. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's because they can hide behind a keyboard. Yeah. So, true so nowadays someone can give them a key- keyboard, say whatever they want to say. And then, and they, and they're hoping that, well, this person won't see it. Yeah. I guess I remember the early days of Xbox live. You could not, I mean, you could not get anywhere without hearing the N word thrown out there. Yeah, there were oh, some things being said on Xbox. Yeah, I'm sure there is. yeah. To this day, I said <laughs> Xbox live is the most racist place on I'm earth. I'm sure it is. I, I have no <laughs> not doubt. <wrong>. Not wrong. <laughs> no doubt. Xbox live is too, because yeah. not only are you hiding behind a, a, a fake name, you have an alias on there. Yep. 
I could be playing against somebody and they're yeah, in a whole yeah, other no country. country. Yeah, yep, I'm going to say sure. and call them whatever I want to. All right, so I have a question. So what do you want to see? Like, is and and is there something in specific you want to see from your white friend? Like, you, I feel like you'll you kind of know who your friend. Like if if they're real friends, you know where they stand. But so, do you want to see them posting on Instagram a, a all black image? Does that do anything for you, or, or or what? What is it that what can a white person who wants to? I I think white people feel like they need to prove they're not racist now, which I don't think it's what you're asking. Just continue. Just I don't know what what do you th- what's your reaction to that, Nick? Seeing seeing my my white friends post a black square, yes, it gives me a sense of okay, yeah, they are they are riding with the cause, they are with me, they are behind me. But at the same time, are you doing it? Exactly. It's kind of like with the Drew Brees thing. Are you are you doing it just for the PR? Are you doing it so that I keep my friendship with you? You know, trying to kind of make sure that I know that you're behind me or that you want me to think that you're behind me or whatever it is. Uh, doing the black square really yeah, does nothing yeah. for me. I kind of wish that that was never even a thing. Um, it just a lot of businesses were posting it as well. I mean, that does nothing for me. If you are truly behind the black, the black people, Black Lives Matter, if you're truly behind the movement, yeah, do something. You know what I mean? Talk to somebody in power because there is white privilege. Use your white privilege to help my people yeah. out in this time. Preach. If that's if that's how you truly feel. Yep. You, you agree with that, Trey? You got anything to add? Uh, for me, no, not really. Like that. I didn't agree with the whole, you know, do your your uh, Facebook icon picture black and all that, the whole blackout thing. To me, that's just pandering. Yeah. Like, don't pander to me because, you know, you think that I feel bad about what's going on and, and you, you know, you want to stand beside me. If you're if you're my true friend and you want to show, hey, I'm with you, you don't got to post it on Facebook. Just give me a call. Hey, man, what's going on? Um, are you cool? How everything's going? You no, know, like just just call and check on me. And that's about it. You don't have to post anything to show the public because if, if you're really genuine about it, you do stuff behind closed doors. You won't broadcast it so people can see it. I mean, I say it's kind of like uh, when you see someone videoing themselves yeah, giving a homeless guy right. $2 or giving a homeless guy a meal. If that's what you do on a daily basis, yeah, yeah, yeah. why are you putting it out there like that? If whenever I help out, when I help homeless people, which I do often, I would you would never see me record that. First of all, this man is homeless. He doesn't want to be... Yeah, so yeah. he doesn't want to show the world that he's homeless, first of all. And second of all, if it's truly genuine in your heart, thinking to pull out your phone at that point and they do it publicly, yeah, it doesn't even cross your mind. So, like, what you mean by behind closed doors? And I think this is something that it, what what I've tried to do and what I think people should try to do, if especially if you're a white person, it's, you know, we all have either friends, acquaintance, coworkers, someone who says something that you're like, ooh, that kind of sounded a little racist, but you just like don't want to have the conversation because that's an awkward conversation. I think what you mean by do it behind closed doors, it's now it's the time. Speak up, have the conversation. And if that person listens to you and talks to you and then they want to maybe be open to changing their point of view on something, great. And if they don't, I, I think you you know who it is. You know who they are. And exactly. if you want to keep being that person's friend, you can. But I think it's it's like you just said, calling call like Checking somebody when they're wrong. If it's your white friend that even though y'all have been friends since five years old, if he says something that is just wrong, it's it's not just like uh, brushing it off and let's talk about the the cowboy game this Sunday. Let's actually like let me call check on you. Is that kind of what you think, Trey? Yeah, yes and no. Because sometimes you just got to have that, like you said, have that conversation with people. But then we have the conversation. You got to see where that person's coming from. So, like, when I first went off to college at the Naval Academy, 
my roommate was from uh, Northern PA. He's never really interacted with black people. So the way he spoke about black people was just a, was just how he was raised. But once we sat down and had a conversation like, hey, dude, that's not cool to say. It doesn't make me feel comfortable. I'm not going to do anything to you because you're my friend and my roommate. But if you go out in public speaking that same language, yeah, you might get hemmed up. So once we kind of had that heart to heart, we was cool, but I didn't have to go out and broadcast it or he didn't have to go and broadcast it and say, hey, you know, I talked to my black friend and we came to a conclusion. <laughs> it was just something we handled behind closed doors. Yeah. And it was in and, and that's what it was. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I want to say that. So I was at this March, uh, I guess it was like two, three weeks ago now. And one of the speakers got up there and said, like, one of the things that we, Kevin, can do with our white privilege is we're going to spend our holidays at a different table than the speaker is going to be able to spend them at. And when you hear some trash thrown out there, you don't have to like make a scene or anything, but you've got to, you know, you got to stand up for, for your fellow humans, you know? And, uh, uh, because, you know, we get to sit at that table with our privilege of, you know, all these people that'll say things in front of us that they won't say in front of anybody else. And, and that's the time where you can try to change somebody's mind that, that, uh, Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to even hear what they were saying, you know? Right. I mean, because someone who's, you know, maybe I'll throw out closet racist or just has some... Some, some biases, some, some tendencies. They feel yeah. it some type of way. Yeah. There, there's things that they will say in front of me and you, yeah. LJ, that they will not say if Nick and Trey are sitting at the table with Fact. us. Yeah. They're just going to hold it in. And so I think it's worth... It's just... It shouldn't take for a black person to call check on you. And I think it actually, it, it might change someone's point of view when a white person does it too. I think when you've already, cause they might just disregard like, ah, cause that's what annoys me so much. Is I think people, I think some white people think that they, that, that black people are wanting to feel bad for being white. I don't think that's what y'all are asking. I don't think that's what anybody's asking. It's just like, I just, you just want to be equal. We're in America. We're supposed to all be equal. We're supposed to all be like one people. Yeah. And we're, we're not. Do y'all, do y'all see Trey? Do you see like uh, it changing? Do you see like do you have positivity moving forward, or or what? What's well, kind of in your mind just seeing America the way it is today? Sadly to say, I don't think nothing's going to change. I think um, you know this, this is a hot topic right now. Yeah. And then once something, the next thing's going to come down the timeline, and our attention is going to go to that. And all this will kind of just fade away. You'll still have you'll still have those groups out there that are still fighting for it and trying to make a change. But as a whole, I don't think as much is going to change. I think I think I saying? think people now would just be uh, if they if they are racist or you know they feel some type of way, they'll just be more secretive about it and you know careful about when they speak. Yeah. Well, you say yeah. It makes me think. You say like till the ne- that's the way the news cycle works. You know, we get all hot and bothered about something. And it's the topic until the next thing happens. And so like sports is getting ready to start up. Are we just going to shift over to sports? And that kind of makes we talked about in the last podcast where Kyrie Irving actually came out. was like, I don't know if I want to if we should get back to playing basketball because it could change the topic over. And this now, now I'm getting into what we actually we we're more of a sports podcast in general. But so like. Do y'all agree with any of that where like Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard said they don't think they should come back and play basketball because it's going to change I, the topic, you know, or is that just, I agree with, I agree think, with Nick? the players right now that are saying, I don't think we should play because let's just put it like this. Sports basically runs off 
you know, black people, the African-American athletes, you know, um, besides a few Fact. a few sports, you know, that African-Americans haven't taken over. Um, what a bigger stand. Hockey and NASCAR were coming for you. Hey, NASCAR, <laughs> I, shout out to my guy Bubba, man. He, he came out there and did his own protest yeah. thing. I, I was, Hell yeah. I was, I, was, I, was, I was proud about that. But because it, it's easy, it's, it's easy yeah. to do it whenever everybody's doing it. When everybody's taking a knee, it's easy to, oh, yeah, I'm going to take that knee today too. But when you're the only one out there, yep. uh, it, it's a little different stage. And he, he stood on that stage proud, and it really, it really made me happy for sure. Um, but I, I agree yeah. with the players saying that we don't know if we should play. And that even being a, a talk lets me know that black people, you know, black, at least the athletes are coming together and having these conversations with each other. Uh, maybe, hey, let's, it's time for yeah. us to take an actual stand. Um, if, we can start, if we can start maybe putting a little dent in somebody's pockets, maybe their ears are open, you know. And uh, that makes a lot yeah. of sense to yeah. me. And, and I, I've fallen out with Kyrie. I know I don't know him personally, but I've fallen out with Kyrie. Uh, <laughs> In, in the past, you ain't texting him right now. <laughs> in the past several years, I've fallen out with Kyrie, and when he came out and made that statement, it really, it really turned me back on to him. That's uh, to where he was because at first I fought a lot of his things spiritually and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys have did much research into Kyrie, um, but he's a real spiritual guy. A little bit, yeah, yeah, he's a real spiritual guy and stuff like that. Well, I think what came out when he first made the statement, everyone was just like, "Oh, here's Kyrie yeah. being crazy, Kyrie." <laughs> I think actually this, this was actually like, okay. It's not Kyrie being crazy, Kyrie. It's someone just questioning things, questioning, you know, a move. And I think that's we should do that. And maybe you decide playing basketball is right and coming back is right, but it's not bad to question it. You know, exactly. let's have the conversation. And that's really what like I think a big a big part of this whole thing is the lack of the conversation. Um, like you were saying, it's a hard conversation to have. If I know myself and also Trey as well, we grew up it's not in Cousin Grove, predominantly white. Um, I go off to SMU. He goes off to the Naval Academy. Also, you know, both, you know, predominantly white schools and things come up in those conversations you might not have. You might let that slide because you're in an all white environment. You might let somebody get away with saying what they say um, and not really bringing it to the forefront like you should. And it's just lack of having that conversation. I think we start having that conversation when the when the topic arises. Educate, educate, educate. Um, I've had a bunch of friends call me over these past few months and just talked to me and just wanted to understand. And that's what their, their comments were. I just want to understand what's going on because I don't know. And I think- and Are you open to that or is that annoying? I'm open to it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a humongous advocate of having the conversation with my white friends. If any of my white friends want to have that conversation, hey, call me. It's, I'm, I'm here for it because I think that's the only way to, to bring about change. We can protest all day long. We can riot all day long. But that's not where the change is coming in. The change is coming in with educating. Because there are a lot of people who have the white privilege and they don't even realize what it is. And they don't even realize that they are borderline racist or anything like that. And when you have those conversations with yeah, those yeah, people, yeah. It, brings it, to, it brings their feelings up and they, and they understand where, where I'm coming from. I understand where they're coming from. And they can go back and spread that knowledge to whoever they're around. So what do you think, looking at both of you guys, so like, Nick, you're, you're a big dude. Trey, you, you ain't small and you got dread. So like y'all get someone, someone sees you and instantly, even if they don't think they're race, like they have racist thoughts, especially like a cop, a cop sees you. Do you feel instantly that that person's already on defense when that person sees you, Trey? Yep. I get it all the time. Uh, well, not, I'm not going to say all the time. When I first moved up to South Dakota, I used to cover rural Iowa for my territory. So, 
and if you know anything about rural Iowa, it's just farmers, God. corn, and that's about it, and yeah. white people. That's that's about yeah. it. <laughs> so I would I would go into a gas station, and it would just they would all look at me and like, okay, what is he doing here? And I get to speaking, and a lot of them like, well, well, well he's not here as a customer, and what he's here for. I'm like, well, I'm your new tobacco rep, and then they kind of let their guard down. Like, oh, okay, he's here for business, but they still kind of keep me off, off at a distance. But then once they get to know me, you know, it's, everything is good. Yeah. But you know, you know, as a black man, when they, when people see me coming, they, okay, he had dreadlocks, he's black. He, you know, he's kind of big. He might be aggressive. And then they meet me and it's like, Oh, he's a teddy bear. And, yeah. You guys, <laughs> well, and it's, go ahead. You guys know uh, me, I'm loud and I'm big and I'm black. I'm not the lightest. I'm not the light skinned black either. I'm black. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so so let's just, I, I'm on the phone all the time, whether I'm talking to Trey or one of my clients or whatever, and I walk into a store, you know, I'm on the phone laughing and being loud and everything, and they already think, oh, well, this is degenerate. Mm. You know, he, he's he's here maybe to cause trouble sure, or yeah. something like that. You know what I mean? But, I, I mean, you both of you guys have known me since we were kids. I'm probably one of the nicest people y'all have met. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. So 100%. Once, once, once they see me off that first initial thought, you know, a, a white lady might clutch her purse a little tighter. You know, if she's with her kids, she might make sure her kids are close to her and not to me, which I know right now, COVID going around and everything like that, it could be because of that. So I'm not going to put it all on me being <laughs> black. But uh, it's happened for years. And especially when I went off to SMU, uh, there's a 7-Eleven right across the street from campus. And your, my freshman year, um, I used to walk there all the time, all type of, all times of night and everything like that. And uh, you see a group of Highland Park high school kids walking and then they see me coming across. And at this point, I'm 300 pounds, um, you know, and you just yeah. see the whispers. You see them. Oh, you know, I wonder what this guy's doing, you know, not knowing that I'm a football player. And then they, you know, once they find out I play football at SMU, like Troy said, that guards let completely down. Oh, man, how, what's your name? You know, what year are you? You know, you right. think you're going to go to the NFL? You know, that's what they want to know. Uh, well, that, that's kind of why I wanted to have y'all on and have some of this conversations because I think it's one thing if, if I, co- I think it was a couple of episodes ago, like me, LJ, and Pops are on here talking. We're like, there is white privilege. There is things that you might not realize going on that's going on, like how how black people are dealing with cops and how we have never even been taught to deal with cops. And 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 like you said, walking down the street. And so I was hoping to get you guys on to where. It's not people hearing three white guys talk about how black people deal <laughs> yeah, with things yeah, differently yeah. and actually get some personal experience. Cause, and, and I just think, I do feel like there's some change coming, but I think that's partly optimism. I don't know, LJ, what do you think? Do you think we're, do you see, like, where do you say what Trey was saying? He doesn't really know if there's going to be a change. Well, I'll tell you that around my neck of the woods right now, it does feel like something's happening. I mean, it it does really feel like, I mean, there there are people that you see on like, I don't know if anybody y'all have the next door app and that's, that's some bullshit app right there. But, uh, yeah, we have it. Oh my God. It's the worst app in the, I mean, I swear to God, I see like, um, I, I saw, I saw a browner person on our neighborhood. So everybody be on watch out just in case. I mean, it's absurd. I can't even believe it, but the amount of like momentum that this movement has in Chicago. I mean, there are marches every single night and they're all peaceful. I mean, um, all these like media talking about how, how we're still rioting. I mean, they're liars, but like the city, the city public seems to really care about this. And, and I don't know if it's going to change everywhere. I don't know that this movement is changing minds in rural areas or anything like that. But I do feel that at least around here, um, which I, I'll, I'll go out there and say Chicago is about the most segregated city I've ever been to in my life. Jesus. I mean, there is a, there is a South side and a North side and 
the average color of person is very different on those two sides. Like it's ridiculous, but I think that's changing. I think like we're starting to see, um, the, the white Chicago and stop telling everybody how to fix things and listening to the people that are actually going through the problems and figuring out how to fix things that way. And, uh, so I've got, I've got a little bit more optimism, but I also might be in my, you know, my bubble, you know what I mean? So I think what gives me some optimism is just the fact that, and like we talked about before, it could be a PR move, but here being in Little Rock, I cover, I work for the news in, in Little Rock. So I kind of at least know a little bit what's going on. And just the other day, Governor Asa Hutchinson did meet with a bunch of the black leaders that are kind of heading these protests. And he sat down behind closed doors and met with them and at least listened to them. And he might've done it as a total PR move and he might not actually care, but it, they weren't even getting in the door two months ago. Yeah. So at least there's that. Does that yeah, mean something true. to you, Trey? Like, what do you think about, at least there's something, at least there's a conversation you have, whether they listen or not, at least there's a voice being heard. Right. Well, well, my thing is, why why wasn't I letting the door before? Yeah. Right. And it should have taken. It shouldn't have right? taken. So it shouldn't have taken us to see a guy a, murdered sorry. on television for this to happen. Well, and it's not even like that was the first time that happened either. Yeah, it's not the. It, it'd be different if it was the first time it happened. But I mean, we've seen what three? This uh, no two other murders besides uh, George since, Floyd just since during yeah, lockdown. Month. Yeah. Yeah. Since. Yeah. So I mean. <sighs> Yeah, my question would be, why wasn't I let in the door before? And now are you just pandering to me because you want to, you know, it's an election year. You want to bring bring me in and talk to me or do you really genuinely care? Well, and and the system is still rigged, too. Right. Because like uh, Chauvin, the guy who uh, who who has the the most hated knee in the world right now um, is is still going to collect pension no matter what happens, whether he's convicted or not. He's set to make one point five million dollars over the rest of his life no matter what happens of taxpayer money, like until something like that changes, how can you say that you're actually like doing anything to fix it? You know what I mean? Like that's ridiculous that we're paying right. that much money um, after all this that's gone on. I mean, it's, I, I think it, we will start seeing more changes when it comes to post brutality. If the cops had to come out of pocket. So usually what happens is a cop, you know, kill someone, the family sues in the city pays. Yeah. The cop gets fired. He still gets his pension. Well, if I'm a cop, I said, well, shoot, he still got his pension. So I can still do what I want to do. Now, if the laws were to change, and it's like, hey, look, if you commit a crime while on duty, you're going to lose your job and you're going to lose your pension. And whatever lawsuit comes, whatever that's civil suit you. comes and, you know, and you lose, that's on you. The city's not paying for it because the city didn't commit the crime. You did. Yeah. And that and, yeah. Uh, and a lot of the, uh, the a lot of the police brutality it's not going to change, even if they do have to come out of pocket, because this is the, the a lot of these guys are scared. It's fear, and uh, you already know if you back a cat into a corner, what's he going to do? He's going to come out and scratch you. That's all there is to it. And uh, yeah, until we get the police more training, I don't think we should defund the police. They need more money. They they need to be trained no. correctly and how to handle situations. If you can see a guy, if you can see, because I watch videos, of, you know, police forces all over the all over the world, and they these guys, I mean. They'll have a knife trying to stab the police. They'll have a gun out or whatever. And these police still find a way to subdue the suspect and get them in jail, get them in custody safely. That's what that's the difference between America and the rest of the world right now. The first thought of the cops that I've I mean, the situations I've been in and seeing the media, the first thought is to grab the gun. That can't be yeah. our cops first thought. Not not in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, but that's why. Like, so I. 
I, I, I'm pro defund the police. And, and I'll tell you why is I think the funding that we give the police, they have, they have used it so often to train in more and more um, fear the people you're policing, fear the, you know, because you're going to die unless you're willing to kill first. Like that's the type of training that our police go through in places like Minneapolis. And so when that's how you're spending your money, I mean, I feel like we got to take away some of their money. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, I don't think we fix the problem by giving more money to the people that are causing the problem. It just, it doesn't seem logical to me. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not trying to say I got the answers. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I don't think we should defund them, but we should definitely put more money into like third party training. Yeah. So it, it, it you have to go to, it, it's, you have to go to school longer to be a barber to cut yeah. hair right. than you do to be a cop. And a cop yep. holds a gun with them. They can, kill, they can take a life. At and, a cop hold, and a cop holds a gun. Exactly. So there should be, you know, more training, just more strenuous training. Um, I listened to a guy named Jocko Willink, and he's, he's a, a former Navy SEAL, and he says, you know, we should put cops through not the Navy SEAL physical training, but just the tactical training itself and how to de-escalate situations. You yeah. know, because like Nick said, your, your your first move shouldn't be to grab the gun. Yeah. You know, it's wild to fact. me that the, 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 the vision I can't get out of my head is when we see like another, like just the other day in Atlanta, another black person shot and killed. Uh, how come, I mean, every time, if you ever look, think back to almost all the school shootings that you remember seeing covered on the news, that crazy white person gets somehow put into the back of a cop car. You know, it's not that, yeah. and that person's oh, yeah. wielding the gun and has already killed vest. people. And they have found yeah. a way to get that, get him to drop the gun and come to the cops, get in handcuffs, and then put a bulletproof vest on him. But when Rayshard uh, Brooks, I think is his name, takes off running, we yeah. can't go chase him. We just fire shots into his back. That can't be the way we do it. Well, look at Dylan Ruth. He went into a church in South Carolina, yep. killed 15 people. The cops put him in a bulletproof vest, and before they took him to the station, he took his ass to Burger King. So we don't. Yeah. We know right. a better he, way to do it. He killed 15 people. We know people. a way to do it without it, killing. There's a better way. It's the fear exactly. factor, man. It's the fear factor. And it's like what I think it's like what Trey was mentioning with his roommate. You know, he was he grew up in a different uh, area, grew up in a different environment. So you're going to have to, and that's why I think the training could it, it needs to be longer than it takes to be a barber to be a cop. And that's what the training can be. You might have to break some systemic racism where they they might not realize it, but they instantly when they see a black person, they instantly put their hand on the gun, even if they don't realize it, they're doing it. And you got to try to break that. And once you break that. Then you put the gun in their hand. Then you give them the badge. Then you let them patrol. Because don't get me wrong. I want police out there when I'm when I'm on the street and someone comes up and tries to mug me. I want to have someone out there try to protect me. But I just want it to be someone right. worthy. I want it to be someone who went through the train. Because every cop out there, they go to work knowing they could die any day they go. I don't, I don't go to work and I don't have the slim chance thought that I could die. So like more power to them. They're better than me. But I just want them. We can train them better. And I think that seems like where y'all are getting at, Nick. Is that what you kind of think? Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I think. Uh, the training right now is, is piss poor, uh, in my opinion. The the lack of tactical training, uh, like Trey mentioned, the lack of tactical training. If you go into a situation knowing you can handle it, uh, it's just like I'll, I'll take it back to sports since we all know sports here. Um, when you go to practice every day and you really put in that work that week and it comes to Friday or Saturday or Sunday night when you're getting ready to play, 
when you're prepared for a game, there's a totally different feeling than when, when you're unprepared. When you're unprepared, you go out there and the first thing, uh, the first thing you do uh, when the ball snapped on that very first play is all you know what to do is just kill that man in front of you because you, other than that, you don't have a game plan. Yeah. So it's the same thing with these cops. They don't have a game plan. Okay, if this guy pulls a gun on me, this is what I do. This is what I do. If this guy makes a move and it looks like he's got a gun, I'm going to shoot him because I'm scared and I don't know what else to do. Yeah, it's a fair point. All right, well, I mean, we touched on a lot of the topics that I kind of want to get on. And, and I think the big, the big takeaway I'm getting from this is just like we're doing right now. And I think it, has, it, it can be about race. It can be about politics, anything. If we can just in America have a conversation without – you know, getting our knives and pitchforks and, and flames out and just have a conversation, whether you disagree or not, I think that's where we, that's at least a starting point. Now, where we go from there, I yeah. don't know, but that feels like a decent starting point to me. Would you, would, would you guys agree, Trey? Yep. Yep. Just having a conversation and, and putting everything out in the open and then let the chips fall where they may. And you, you agree, Nick? Yeah, I agree as well. I mean, education is the best thing we have going for us in America right now. Um, so why not educate on the black history? Why not educate on black lives matter? Actually, why not educate on just a what a black point, person Nick. goes through? Sorry to jump in on you, but I think we could definitely start by getting better in our education where we learn more. I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I had no real, real clue what the Tulsa race riots, riots were until not too long ago. Like I knew there was something. Yeah, I, I learned about that from the Watchmen, the TV show, the Watchmen. Yep, that's that's why I learned. That I didn't know about that's it ridiculous. either. Why was that in our history books? That's that a possible? big ass part of America that happened in America. We were educated in Southern schools. What, well, what's uh, going on? I mean, How do we not know that? If you think about it, there's certain stuff in black history that happened in America. That's, that's cut out. And I don't think it's because yeah. I, I I think it's to um I, I want to say to shelter people from how bad Jim Crow and slavery in the slavery times really were. Because if if some yeah. of the real stories came out, I think it would it would some people would understand it would open it some eyes. other people. It would open some eyes. So like when you hear the story about like Nat Turner in the slave rebellion, yeah. like that would give some. You know, there are some people out there that are, you know, really radical racist that would take that story and, you know, get upset about it and might do something about it. So some stories I think have been cut out of history just to kind of shield everyone from, you know, America's ugly history. Well, we know who wrote the history books, well, right? Well, yeah. And <laughs> well, the, the, there's the, skin the, color the, just like lighter, right? Right. I I feel like it's worth pointing out, Kev. We actually have uh, a connection to the assholes that wrote that history. Uh, we're actually pretty closely related to a guy that owned slaves, fought in the Civil War, used the money that he had with all that slave owning, and like failed businesses until he eventually donated millions of dollars to UT so he could help decide how to educate higher education students in the state of Texas. Um, and he wanted to make sure that there was a lot of uh, uh, Southern education on on how great the Confederacy was. And so, I mean, like literally our ancestors helped write that book. You know what I mean? And I don't even know what to do with that information except for just <laughs> feel like shit about it. You know what I mean? Like that's terrible. Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of, and I was glad because I was about to wrap up and actually I, there's a, uh, some, I'm, I'm looking at what Trey has up on his wall back behind him. So I want to ask him a hunting question because I don't know shit about <laughs> hunting. So I think it could be interesting. But and I was about to wrap up and then Nick actually got me on, uh, reminded me that I think that's one way we can try to at least 
help us as society is if we at least learn, you know, some of history is going to be shitty to hear, but yep. we hear about Hitler. We, we learn that because it, it doesn't make any of uh, Americans feel bad about themselves. You don't want to talk right. about your ancestors yeah. that may have brutally murdered a whole black town because that doesn't make you feel good about yourself. And sometimes you're not going to feel good about it, but maybe you learn and you, it, all we can do is learn. I think we, I've heard the word educate yourself probably 10 times tonight. So let's start with education. Let's actually teach what the history of America is, whether it's good, bad, brown, white. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. I agree in totality right there. Uh, a lot of things that go on. Like, I feel like in school, you know, we learned about other countries way more than we learned about our own country. And we don't want to talk about the rebellions because we don't yeah. want people in today's society to rebel against the government or try to overthrow the government and things like that. We don't learn about actual Jim Crow and not just, you know, the the, the beat around the bush version, uh, because we don't want, like you said, people to feel bad about what happened back back then. Um, but that that's part of the right. problem. We got to start getting into those difficult subjects and breaking them down. And that's the only way to get the understanding. That's I mean, that's literally the only way to get the understanding. You can't understand how a black yeah. person feels right now if you don't if you don't know those stories. Right. Yeah. Fact. That's a fact. One hundred percent agree. Um, all right. I'm going to pivot off. I hope I hope whether you enjoyed this or didn't enjoy it. Uh, if you got to this point, you at least you at least listen to it. So I, I appreciate First off, Nick and Trey for joining us. I really appreciate y'all being on the pod. Hell yeah. It's been some good, it, if nothing else, us four got some good conversation. We haven't talked in a hot minute. A hot yeah, minute. Can, can y'all come on like like more often? Can we have you guys on like as a regular thing? I just, I love hanging out with you guys. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm down for whatever, man. I'm always All right, open. dude. All right. So I know, right. Trey, you do a, a lot of hunting. Uh, I do absolutely no hunting. In fact, I don't know. I don't think I've, I've, I've fished, but I've never hunted before. And so I have grown a little bit of a fascination with elk hunting and how they oh, like, shit. they like set up like one, the hiking is, and I'm talking out of my ass here. So just, I'm going to just let, let it go to you in a minute, but they hike like crazy. And then like the, I heard an elk call for the, for like an actual elk. Well, I don't know what you even make. Bugle. What the, bugle. I couldn't think of the noise. They're amazing animals. I want to go hunt an elk so bad right now. Oh yeah. Uh, here in South Dakota, we have elk, but like we do a draw system to get a tag. Yep. So it's extremely hard. There's guys that I know that's been putting in for, you know, 25, 30 years and they still haven't gotten a tag. Cause they only give out like five or six a year, but so elk. what's the tag mean? What's the tag mean? You can't oh, the kill tag mean you can actually tag. go hunt one. Yeah, you, you can't kill an elk without so a tag. So you get you get a tag, you get one. You get one. You get okay. one. That that's in South Dakota. Right. Now you have you have states like Idaho, um, Colorado, Montana, and Wyoming where you can go to certain uh, units and they have over the counter tags. So you can go to Walmart and buy a tag six hundred bucks and go hunting. What is what what fair do enough, you enjoy enough. hunting the most, Trey? Well, uh, so far I've only been fortunate enough to hunt whitetails and they are the most amazing creatures in the woods. Just the way they, they know their surroundings, their smell is phenomenal. Their eyesight is all right. Most people think that they have really good eyesight, but their eyesight is no better than the human's eyesight. But I mean, really that, yeah. And when you're out in those woods and you're just watching them in their environment and they don't know you're there. I mean, they're just an amazing animal. I love, I love hunting whitetail. Nick, do you yeah, have much cool. experience hunting? I know you've hunted a little bit with Trey and them, but do you, do you hunt on your own or do you do much hunting? 
Um, I'm, I'm recently getting into it, man. Uh, like he just said, uh, whitetails are amazing, amazing, amazing animals. And last year was really my first big hunt. I've been on some hunts, you know, down here uh, in Texas and Arkansas. And uh, I kind of was through with it. Uh, I had never killed a deer down here. So I was kind of over it. Like you said, you're a fisherman. <laughs> I, I fish all day, every day, as much as I can. Um, and yeah, last year, going up to South Dakota and, and actually being out in the thick of the woods, man, and, and, and watching those deer and interact with nature and things like that. I mean, I'm hooked. I've been on it ever since. I mean, me and Trey talk daily um, about, about our hunting season coming up and what we're <laughs> going to do and how we're going to get it done. And I've fallen in love with it, man. And it's, it's, it's amazing. So I'm, I'm whitetail all the way. Uh, Trey wants to venture out and, and do all the hiking for the elk and go out and hunt a bear with his bow. But uh, I'll keep my <laughs> yep. rifle. I'll keep my rifle on the blind, man. I, I think I'll be hunting whitetails forever. Well, that's what's crazy, Trey. I was talking to a buddy of mine who he's, I, I don't think he's ever been on an elk hunt. His dad's killed a couple elk or maybe an elk. And he's talked about, he's just real into it and wants to do it. And he was telling me, I was like, oh, I'd love to go on one day. He goes, well, you're going to have to like really go to the gym and prepare for that. Cause it's, it's a certain yep. type of, it's not just, you know, walking outside. It's, it, you're going up and down mountains or hike. Like it, it's a, it's a serious physical feat, right? Well, or no yes and no so if if you want to if you want to do a fair chase wild elk hunt yeah you're gonna have to be in top-notch shape especially depending on the uh the time of the year but for the most part it's a lot of hiking um my buddy rex he went to colorado last year and him and his dad hiked in 10 miles to the base of a mountain and then he hiked another 20 miles up into the mountains and got an elk and then you gotta haul it back Wow. So, yeah, you got to be in top-notch shape. Or you can do what some of the city slickers do, and they'll just uh, – Okay, so this is what I would sign up for. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So you you find you a high-fence game farm, um, and you'll pay them depending on the score of the elk. If you want a really nice elk, it might cost you about $10,000, $15,000. You pay it. The guy guy will take you out. All right, I'm out. I ain't got that kind of money. (laughs) Right? (laughs) He'll say, sit right here. And he'll say that elk will come walking out about in about 10, 15 minutes. And you'll sit there in about 10, 15 minutes. The elk will come walking out. You'll get your shot. And then they'll take you over there. You take your nice picture. You can go back and tell Man. everybody you killed an elk. <laughs> I will that say one thing. Like I will no say one thing. All. That sounds terrible. <laughs> we yeah. are not into that at all over here. I can tell you that now. No, if, not if, at all. If you ever see us up. hunting the elk, we will be out there in the mountains hiking it and packing that thing back ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that, but that's what makes it now, fun I, though. When you when you when guys go out and you got a deer camp, an elk camp, and you um, out there in the woods in your tents, that's to me that's the best part. Killing a deer, or no, I'm gonna say killing, harvesting a deer, is icing on a cake. But actually being out there and with your buddies or your brothers or your 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 family, that what makes it fun. Like last year, me, Nick, and my dad, we killed five deer. But yeah. And I enjoy kill. I enjoy harvesting those deer, but spending the time out there with my dad and my brother for the first time ever—that was our first hunt ever together. That's what was amazing. Yeah. And just being in the hotel at night, talking about you know the day and you know what we did wrong, what we did right, you know, coming up with different <laughs> strategies. Yeah. That's the fun part. You right watch there. the game tape. Yeah, <laughs> hey, hey, next year we'll have game tape because I'll be filming. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, man. Uh, sitting back in the hotel and talking about the day, uh, that hunt for it to be my first, you know, real, real serious hunt. Um, we, I mean, we couldn't have wrote the script 
I mean, we were out there for a yeah. week. Uh, we had two or three days with like 26 mile an hour wind. Uh, we're having to battle that. We got deer smelling us, <laughs> spooking other deer. Yeah. And I, I knocked down my buck with like 10 minutes to go in the in, in the season. So, I mean, <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't script the <laughs> stuff that happens out there. Right. <laughs> Well, I got my hands a few years back on uh, on about I think it was like seven or eight pounds of of elk meat. That is a delicious animal too. Yes, I'm gonna it say. is. That is a tasty animal. Well, I do know Trey <laughs> about by seeing a couple of Instagram posts. You and Nick get y'all enjoy just about as much as hunting is cooking. It looks like. <laughs> oh, hey, that, that's that's the best part right there. So once you harvest mm-hmm. the deer and then you, you know you get them processed and everything, I like sharing it. Like I like to cook yeah. it, find different ways to prepare it, and then going out and sharing it with my friends and family, having people come over and cook for them. And then, you know, with my job, I'm out talking to people all the time. And when I find out, people find out that I hunt, like, oh, you got any deer meat? I'm like, yeah, well, I've never had any. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, I got, I got enough to, to feed, to feed anybody that, that asks. So I don't mind sharing it. I just can't imagine. It, it must be a stereotype I have. I cannot imagine a single soul in South Dakota has not had deer meat. That does not sound like the South Dakota. <laughs> no, you, you'd, be su- you'd be surprised. I mean, where I live in Sioux Falls is, is, is more of a city. So you can, yeah, run, sure. you, you can run into a lot of people who've never had deer meat. But then when you go to Rest River out in the country, you mean those people, they, they raise on it. Yeah, they live on it. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So – uh, one thing I'm learning, LJ, is next time, whenever Trey does end up going, like if we see some Instagram pics or something that Trey and Nick and uh, they're out on an elk hunt. You guys got to go follow me on uh, Instagram, the dreaded archer. The dreaded archer. I love it. All right. I'm in. I'm in. Let's just go ahead and schedule yeah. a plan to be in Sioux Falls. Yeah. Because he's trying to get yeah. out some elk meat. <laughs> no the boy's doubt. trying to put his hand out. Yeah. Hey, I, hey, we yeah. got you. I'll bring my cooler and some dry ice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take home as much as hey, I can. I got you. Uh, I know uh, this August I'm going to Canada to do a black bear hunt. So hopefully if uh, the borders open back up, I'll be in Canada on August 22nd hunting black bear. All right. Well, All right. Uh, we Noted. we already Noted. we've already made a decision that Nick and Trey are going to come back on the pod a couple more times. I feel like if not more, so yep. it might be after that we might have a little yep. like recap the hunting trip. That'd be kind of fun. But hey. also, all right, yeah. Again, appreciate you guys hopping on with us. But I got to ask you. We're about to wrap up, but I got to ask you a question that it got a little contentious between me, LJ, and Pops. When you go to the grocery store, Nick, you get all your shit. You bag it up, you go to your car, you put it all in your trunk or you back your truck, whatever you do. What do you do with the cart after? Do you return it I, where it's supposed to go or do you just put it in an empty parking spot? Oh, no, man. I put it back in the little in the little stall or whatever they call it. If, or if I'm parked close, I'll put it back inside the store. Um, I see those guys out there, especially in the summertime, man. They look like they're struggling. A lot of them aren't really in shape or don't have any mm. muscle mass at all. And those guys <laughs> look like they're struggling out there. And uh, I know if that was my job, I would want people to return the buggies, man. And, and so I try to do it as much as I can. Now, if it's raining, it's every man for himself. But other than that, I'll put it back. <laughs> I'm just the, the shopping cart. We were talking about the shopping cart theory, and that is basically that what watching whether someone returns the shopping cart is the ultimate lit, the litmus test of whether people will gov, govern themselves. Whether because there's no consequences if you don't return it, if you don't do anything with it, ain't nothing will happen to you. You're going to be just fine. Your day is not going to be affected. True. The only thing that it matters is it's a few more steps to go take it wherever you got to go take it. 
What do you, Trey? Mm. Do you take the shopping cart back every time, or you're, you're a little iffy? Well, as a, pops, well, I go ahead and call pops out. My dad, <laughs> he's like, ah, sometimes I try to, well, but I, you know, it is I, what it is. As a, a, a former utility clerk of Super One Foods, yes, I take the cart back <laughs> all the time <laughs> because hey, because I I know what those guys are going through because I I've uh, had to you know I was one of those guys pushing you Been know. There lines and lines of buggies back into the <laughs> store so y'all know it and plus in south dakota we get you know 50 60 miles an hour wind so if you leave your cart out there's a good chance that the wind can run and hit somebody else's car or hit your car so yeah i, I take it i take it back every time and then i try to slam it as hard as i can into that little buggy thing <laughs> you got to <laughs> see that's that's where you got me beat i don't do that i don't do that i should do that so Pops, oh, yeah, I ran if, those if, things if you there. made it to this point in the podcast dad i hope you're hearing this return your damn cart yeah next time return, return your damn cart <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta return that man come on now think about if that was kevin or lj out there pushing those carts man that shit's hard <laughs> Oh, don't, no, no. He'll never return a card if you put it back. He's, he's all good with us taking some extra steps. All right, well, I think that'll wrap us up for another Just Press Play podcast. Again, I really appreciate Nick and Trey hopping on with us. We will have to catch y'all again next time. Uh, guys, peace out. Later. Peace. I appreciate y'all for having us, man. Appreciate it.